comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Goddamn bubble guppies or baby water baby. Welcome to another probably great episode of Blind Buy. I don't know, I don't listen to them. I'm the Clairvoyant, and I will be joined by Bloody Brody shortly. I picked up five bargain bin movies, and I am determined to review them all if it kills me. In lieu of writing a will, I'm holding a contest to determine who inherits these five movies. Go to facebook.com slash blindbypodcast or at blindby on Twitter for more details on how to enter. judge a book or movie by its cover and it ends up being exactly what you expected? Of course not, you're not me, I'm the clairvoyant. But as we know, in the curious case of blind buy, getting what you wished for is not always the most desirable option. Let's see what we're putting up with today. Initiating sequence, analyzing subject 1, the clairvoyant, possesses no abilities pertaining to clairvoyance, analyzing subject 2. Bloody Brody. Contains 6.21 liters of blood. No blood is externally visible. Analyzing topic. The water babies. Error. Error. A third subject has entered sequence. Shutting down. It's another bright, sunny, cold, rainy evening here on Blind Buy, a bargain bin adventure. I'm joined here by my co-host, Bloody Brody. Sup? So, if you follow Blind Buy on Twitter... Uh, during a follow Friday a few weeks back, I made note of the, I can't remember what I called it, the WPBB family, the Wheatonverse Podcast Blind Buy family. And so I want to take a moment and talk about what that encompasses. So we're hosted on the HHW LOD network, and of course we have a big extended family, including Rob from the Firefly Podcast and One Sick Puppy from Dead as Hell. The actual core family consists of the following members, myself, of course, the clairvoyant, my twin brother, Mr. Universe, his girlfriend, Shani Dreadful, her son, who I like to call Sonny Dreadful, their infamous baby on the way, which I like to call Steven Universe, and their family pet, Bloody Brody, who lives in their basement. Hey! There's actually a hidden member. There's a lost member of the WPBB family, and uh, she's never appeared on air before, and she's actually... The little sister of myself, the clairvoyant, and Mr. Universe, Illyria. How are you? Uh, good. I'm good. I just woke up. Just woke up. So what <laughs> made you go by Illyria? Let's hear a little backstory. The clairvoyant is because this podcast is proof that I'll watch anything. <laughs> <sighs> Mr. Universe 
is because he sits on his ass in front of a screen all day. So what made you choose Illyria? I think the original thing that we came up with was that it was like a demon taking over an innocent child's body. <laughs> <laughs> That's not not entirely wrong. Like I was going to go by a Nara because I'm a whore. <laughs> but... <laughs> okay. So the movie we, we watched today is The Water Babies hmm. from 1978. It was also released as Slips Slide Adventures. Uh, it's a 105-minute long movie based on the 1862 to 1863 serialized novel Water Babies, A Fairy Tale for Land Babies. This is based off of a book? Yeah, by the Reverend Charles Kingsley. Of course it's a reverend who wrote this. <laughs> this was one year before Les Miserables. <laughs> oh, that is depressing. So we start with the Metro Goldwyn Meyer lion roaring, the MGM lion, uh, which, oh, thank God. It's, ooh, it's been so long. I've waited to see a recognizable studio logo before these movies. <laughs> it's beautiful. But, of course, they went bankrupt, and this movie's probably why. <laughs> so we start almost storybook style. Uh, it's a drawing and it says a story of a little chimney sweep in the year 1850 i do like the music that they play a little bit no <laughs> oh <laughs> so we get some old portraits of the film's stars to their un- old drawings it's not entirely unpleasant but I'm they skeptical. look dead inside they do look dead inside They're actually like... they look like those portraits that you take of the deceased <laughs> in the olden days after they die to remember them where you like prop them up and pose them yeah yeah that's what they all reminded me of that's probably what all happened the stars didn't want to come back to do the photo shoot and so, so they killed them and then... but they forgot to do one so they <laughs> killed them so we meet through this title sequence james mason bernard cribbins billy whitelaw joan greenwood and guest star david tomlinson <laughs> Which doesn't make sense. They're all guest stars. It's a movie. How is a movie of a guest star? A guest star... Like, I understand a TV show. <laughs> yeah, it denotes a member... A, a star who's not a member of the regular cast, but is noteworthy. How does a movie have a regular cast? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I do know that um, their Sin City has a guest director of Tarantino. That uh, That can kind of make sense, I guess. Like... Yeah. In some situations, but guest not star. Not in this one. <laughs> guest star. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. Truth be told, it's not a bad cast for a movie from England in the 70s. Like, if you were around the region at that time, these names would have meant more to you than they do to us. <laughs> but interestingly enough, only Bernard Cribbins is still alive out of this cast. Are you serious? Yeah. He did a bunch of David Tennant Doctor Who episodes. That is... Depressing. That's a little upsetting. I mean, it was... What was it? It was... 78. So that is not that long ago, I guess. I would like to say right now that Billy Whitelaw, which is one of the women in the movie. Every woman in the movie? (laughs) Yeah, she's on Hot Fuzz. Weird. As Joyce Cooper. Was she the one who was also from Sherlock? No, someone else is from Sherlock coming up. She's on The Omen as well, like the 1976 one. Interesting. So we get Water Babies, a Peter Shaw production. Peter Shaw didn't direct it, but he produced it. So I guess it's technically a Peter Shaw production. It makes sense. So it says, introducing Tommy Pender and Samantha Gates with Paul Lutie. 
Do you think being the with guy is a privilege? <laughs> or is it like a downgrade? <laughs> like, we just gotta throw the last person in here right now. <laughs> like, the, and starring Allison Hannigan as Willow Rosenberg. Like, are they acting like you're special because you're in last place? <laughs> it's like at the red carpet where the celebrities have their boyfriend with them. Like, it's... Like they're not famous boyfriend. Right? It's them, and then, oh, that guy. Move over a little bit, I gotta take a picture of my favorite celebrity. <laughs> No, we get no more pictures and just names. But there's a pretty substantial voice cast. Voice actors and, and voice acting mean a lot to me. And I wouldn't normally skip over them, but these people mean nothing to me. But there is a Sherlock's Una Stubbs and Doctor Who's John Pertwee, so that's cool. He was one of the Doctors, so... You know it's a movie from the 70s when you get a full opening credit sequence that goes through the entire cast. <laughs> Lasts like nine minutes long. And the key grip is... And the assistant is. <laughs> but then we immediately cut to the grubby streets of London. Where people are they're selling wares in the streets, begging, emptying chamber pots, boxing, doing street performances with bears and stuff. It's like Les Mis, but with like thicker English accents. Yeah, my first impression, what are they saying? <laughs> so a boy, Tommy Pender, runs past with a dog, Samantha Gates. <laughs> 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 no, he's being a little—he's being a little gavroche. He's stealing. And, yeah. Uh, he's, <laughs> he steals from this cart, and this woman catches him. And the first instinct was to just kick over the cart. <laughs> and he steals some Sweeney's lovable pies. He's just—he's being a little, sh which is weird because that's not the character we get to know in the movie at all. <laughs> and I just want to say right now that if headset Vince were to throw on some mutton chops. He could probably make a killing in this market. <laughs> See what you did there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so Tommy... Just slip that in there. Tommy, uh, who the character's name is Tom, by the way. <laughs> I keep thinking Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> he sneaks into a freak show and finds out how it works and realizes life is a lie. But it's the... Uh... <laughs> Such a young age. The wo it's just a head, and it's, you know, the head with no body. I can't remember what her name is. Mrs. Do as you'd have done unto you. Played by Billy Whitelaw. And, yeah, then he escapes, and a grimy man in a top hat, James Mason, aptly named Mr. Grimes, slaps the <laughs> shit out of him. Poor kid. Like, he, first um, ten minutes of the movie got slapped at least three times. <laughs> by different people. <laughs> He calls him ungrateful and like you disrespected your master. He's probably referring to himself. And he calls him a prince. Is it princesses? Something about princesses disrespecting their masters. And oh yeah, then so the other dirty guy he's with, Bernard Cribbins, uh, suggests they deport him to Botany Bay because of this. Which okay, I don't know my British history, but geographically, I'm pretty sure Botany Bay is like a really pretty place. Like it's really nice. So I don't know if that's really a bad thing. <laughs> It's not like Guantanamo. Like it's... But maybe because you're so grimy looking, like so dirty, and you put in a pretty place, I'm sure they'd look at you wrong. <laughs> so maybe it's like a... They're setting them up for bullying. Yeah. Yeah, they're putting basically plastic bag dress women in high school. Ugh. Yeah. So they spout something impossible to understand in their accents. <laughs> and they leave. I could I could barely understand a lot of this. I'm I'm good with English accents. I've, I've been very familiar with people from England, but I don't know 
what the fuck are saying a lot of the time in their weird cockney speak. No, say I, it. That's saying. I like sped it up to um so that it was going two times the speed and <laughs> I didn't understand a word they're saying. It just sounded like a bunch of Sims talking. <laughs> <laughs> they also passed the sign that great polish. I don't know what that means either. But later, Mr. Grimes and the guy he was with earlier, Masterman, are talking about leaving the chimney sweep life behind. Mm. And they got this new job lined up. So the boy played by Tommy, Tom, recounts a rumor that somebody has a lot of chimneys. <laughs> and Mr. Grimes smacks him again. What's going on right now? <laughs> I think... I didn't catch on until after the water babies. <laughs> I think this happens after The Walking Dead in Grimes is Rick Grimes. And Tommy <laughs> is... Carl's son? What? <laughs> Carl's son. Carl's missing. I don't know where he is. Carl is a dog. <laughs> yeah. That witch lady turned him into a dog. So, the other guy, Masterman, gives him some of whatever the hell he was drinking and tells him to go to sleep because they have a long day tomorrow. Uh, they mention that if their plan works, they're made men. And so Tom goes to sleep under the table. With his dog and his alcohol. <laughs> well, at least he has a dog and alcohol. So his life isn't terrible. Too bad. <laughs> yeah. So the next morning at 5 a.m., they walk through the streets. There's some guys waking people up, giving them the time and weather updates. Oh, it's called the knocker-up poll. I the, learned that in history. The, oh, are you serious? That's a thing? Yeah. <laughs> I'd it's hate a... <laughs> to be woken up like that. Yeah, it's just like a little poll. They tap on your window and... Yeah. Do you... Do you have to request for this to happen, or do they? No, just it just do? happens. I think it's to the factory workers every morning. Oh, oh, because if that just if they did that every morning, I'd be so pissed well, off. They're working every, every day. I guess. Yeah. So they make their way through a field in the middle of nowhere in Yorkshire. An old lady is walking <laughs> with a bundle of twigs, and they just knock her down. I don't even think he touches her. <laughs> I, I rewind it and I couldn't see any part of his body touch her and she just kind of timbers. I think blinked he, like, and she was down. I think he kicked her, but it was hard to tell. Right? So Tom helps her up and she is super mysterious. He glances away for a second and then she's gone. She's Billy Whitelaw also. Don't forget that, he w- that she winks at him. <laughs> In my notes, I have her as... Actually, I have almost all of Billy's characters as Nanny McPhee. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they make their way to the manor that they're working at and ho oh, damn he wasn't lying they have a shit ton of chimneys yeah I would not sweep that the kid was so ungrateful though let's be honest because like <laughs> if I was a chimney sweeper like I would want to be in like the nicest house you know instead of like these <laughs> crappy little houses <laughs> yeah you get a sweep for the lords and ladies yeah but that, what you got. that's like two stories of chimney. <laughs> so, and there's like millions of. I actually it would not be too bad if there's more people working with you, like like maybe one or two chimneys a person. But that's not the case. Trying to start a chimney sweep service, like a, <laughs> yeah, an empire. Well, see, if he was really a master, he'd have a bunch of kids working. But <laughs> that came out very wrong. So. Tom proclaims they won't be done before Christmas next year, <laughs> and he's probably right. <laughs> the gateskeeper is real suspicious of them, but he lets them in and warns them no poaching and no stealing. 
They look all like, oh, of course not. Why, why would we do that? <laughs> and like, it was clearly their plan. <laughs> so this is dangerously similar at this point to a mix between the Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Last Keepers, and the Wannabes. <laughs> uh-huh. It's got magical disappearing people, it's got grubby street urchins, and it's got a heist at an expensive mansion. Yeah. There's why? A- this is like season one of Blind by... In a movie. Blind. Yeah. <laughs> so a woman dressed like an old school mom with a bonnet and around little glasses approaches the men and boy and mule and dog. She's also definitely Billy Whitelaw. <laughs> Same person who played the old lady and the headless head. The only way you can tell it's her is that she'll wink at you. Yeah. So she scolds them for being super drunk. And for having poor manners, and who knows. Honestly, though, what do you expect? You're a chimney sweeper. You're going to be drunk. You cannot enjoy your life <laughs> being a chimney sweeper and polar. That's true. Yeah. And they say, she says, if there's a speck of soot in any of her freshly cleaned rooms, they won't get paid. Cold-blooded. I'd pour soot all over the floor. Why? <laughs> I'd mop that shit. Because if I'm not going to get, if I see one speck on the floor, I'd say, f*** it. I'm already f- <laughs> Then I'm going to spread soot all over the goddamn house. <laughs> so the boy seems to recognize the lady. But they go on and they do their business. Uh, Grimes leads Tom to the chimney by the ear for some reason. While Masterman stays outside to, to collect the soot bag. Which is... <laughs> do more with... <laughs> like <laughs> Little kids climbing the chimneys and this, you, these two grown men are standing around... <laughs> When he's carrying him by... Is he carrying him by the ear or the hair? I think it's the ear. I don't know. Because when he's whining and like, ow, ow, or making those noises, it sounds like a porno. Yeah, Why I... Why is poking him with the stick when he's in the chimney? He does that too. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't help because he's, cause he's like, oh no, Mr. Grimes, not me bum. Yeah. Not me bum. Yeah, he... So that doesn't help. If my roommates were over... If Mr. Universe and Shady Dreadful were over, they'd be like, what the f*** are you watching? <laughs> yeah, like, it's a kid's movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, they put him up the chimney and starts jabbing his ass with a fire poker, as they said. And Mother Hen is watching disapprovingly. <laughs> Mother Hen. And so as soon as she leaves, Grimes starts just pilfering everything. Like he just Everything's covered with these white cloths, which is bad if you're a chimney sweep. And he just starts stealing all their silver and all their... China. Like, literally everything. Like, not even leaving anything at all. <laughs> Just scooping like, it into a sit bag. Not being discreet. And that really makes me mad, because when you're stealing from rich people, you take the odd thing. Because they have a lot of sh- they're gonna notice if you took everything. <laughs> if you took the odd, really expensive sh- they're not gonna notice. But the smart thing is, it's all covered, so... They just recover it back up. No one will know. It's gone. That's true. <laughs> and then true. they leave and then never come back. And... and Then they're made men. Yeah. <laughs> so then we get a slapstick gag of him handing it out the window to Masterman. Handing pretty violently. <laughs> Tom, meanwhile, loses his brush on the roof of the mansion. He threw it. He, like, threw it out. <laughs> <laughs> like, woo! <laughs> and and Mr. Grimes is still stealing. How do you climb up a chimney? Legs. You use your limbs. But, like, <laughs> do you think there's some type of, like, hand Wait. spots in the chimney for sweepers? Or do they have, like, I don't know. It'd be so grimy. 
Let's let's start a business, you guys. A chimney sweep business? It's not that <laughs> lucrative anymore. <laughs> well, I guess it won't be a very good business. Then why would we start it? So he gets lost among the many chimneys on the roof, getting soot all over the place. <laughs> and then yeah. he falls down a chimney into a different room. Yeah. I also don't understand how you get lost in a chimney either. It was clearly the one with the giant H thing. Yeah. <laughs> H thing. There it was, was a, like an H. It was, I think, one of those wind detector things. I don't know. It was. A oh, H. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the one that he came out of, but not the one he went back in. <laughs> so he tracks it all over the place in this new, very white room. And it plays the same little tinkly theme song I played over the opening credits. So as he examines himself in the mirror... <laughs> <laughs> a little girl, Samantha Gates, wakes up in bed. Oh my god, this is my favorite part. <laughs> I actually like this shot, because it's creative use of like a mirror to show us the action. Yeah. And also mirror shots are a bitch to do, because cameras. Yeah. But he explains her what he's doing there, and they chat about being orphans. But <laughs> the things like, he says. He, like, he tells her to stop shouting, but she was whispering the entire time, and he's the one yelling. <laughs> Please don't shout. I won't. <laughs> and before she says anything, like when when he looks in the mirror and sees her, first he says "cool," then "blimey." I think it's "core." Oh, is it? "Core blimey" is a phrase. Oh, I heard "cool." That's okay. like um. He's like, "You got a mom or dad?" And she's like, "No, they died in Vienna last year on holiday." And he's like, "Cool." <laughs> <laughs> so that was definitely cool then, right? I don't know. There's no definitely with this movie. Cool. My parents are dead too. So he never knew his parents. While the girl, her name's Ellie, her parents died on vacation in Vienna last year, which is... A terrible holiday. Yeah. He even so says that. He asks her who the dude on her crucifix is, and she says it's Jesus. He doesn't know who that is, so she says it's God. He says, God's got the right room for it, then. It's paradise here. And she smiles. That is one suave motherfucker. Right? No, I'd be creeped out. Take notes, Brody. I'm trying, actually. And that's a good save, too, after he just kind of made a joke about her dead parents. So he says his name's Thomas. She says she's Ellie. She's startled by a noise, and the chivalrous Tom goes to go investigate. I don't know why they're so scared. Yeah, it's literally her house. Like, it could be anything. She's got a dozen maids. Yeah, they could have just dropped some china or something. Been Nanny McPhee. But she's like, go get caught. Like, <laughs> But he sees Mr. Grimes stealing a bunch of shit and calls him out for it. And uh, right as Miss, Mrs. Tripp, Mother Goose, shows up, <laughs> Grimes throws the sack of china at Tom and says, he's a thief! But before that, like Tom's like, Mr. Grimes, are you? What are you doing? And like screaming it, like about to get himself in trouble. And then Tom and Ellie, of course, deny it. But who listens to children? Yeah. <laughs> Grimes and Billy Whitelaw have an epic stare down, and then that Tom... was the m- most bone chilling stare <laughs> that Whitelaw gave. I I hate every glare she gives in this goddamn movie. So then Tom escapes, and the dog runs after him. Toby. Love him. Back in the mansion, Ellie's shouting, and it alarms her aunt and uncle, who she lives with. (laughs) I love the couples. So Mrs. Tripp tells Lady Harriet that the silver has been pinched, 
and she has no idea what that means because she's a dumbass. So her husband, Sir John, says, We've been robbed. <laughs> then call the justice. I am the justice. Are you? Nobody tells me anything. <laughs> I, I hate these and love these two at the same time. <laughs> she's just so dopey. <laughs> so then Sir John bids good morning to Mr. Grimes in a bit of dramatic irony and runs off to catch the thief. So John, Mr. Grimes, Mr. Masterman, and the groundskeeper run to the gate, and they're all just yelling, Stop, thief! Like, over and over again for, like, a solid two and a half minutes. While doing nothing. Stop, <laughs> thief! Stop! But then they get a horse. Yeah, Sir John doesn't even know what's going on. So they explain the situation to him, and he's like, To horse! And they're all start yelling, To horse! Masterman! <laughs> Masterman pulls a fucking trumpet out of nowhere and starts blowing it. And the thing that bugs me the most, oh, I've never been so mad. Because you yell at the person that the thief is running to to stop the thief. You don't just yell, stop thief. But nobody was running him. And no one was around the thief. He was just, just running and they're watching him. Yeah. They finally try chasing him. And Mr. Grimes immediately falls off his mule. <laughs> And we get a chase scene with really epic music as Ellie gets ready to go in just the fanciest riding outfit. <laughs> so Ellie goes to leave. Mrs. Tripp tells her to stop. She doesn't. <laughs> then Tripp mugs at the camera and starts telling Tom, run, boy, run, run, boy. That creeps me out. <laughs> it's really weird that and scary. That in, like, Harry Potter when, like, the walls are talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird and scary. Ellie goes bareback riding like a badass <laughs> while the chase continues. And Mr. Grimes says, I hope that girl breaks her neck. Because she saw him throw the swag to Thomas. He uses the word swag. Hey, Hashtag is that... swag. <laughs> is this a reference to Gone with the Wind? How so? You remember when uh, their daughter's riding the horse? So breaking their neck on the horse is a common thing. <laughs> People should stop riding horses then. <laughs> Happens literally every day in England. Happens what about in Canada? Literally every day to me. We have cars in Canada. <laughs> the chase continues, wow, for way too long. Way too long. And they spot Thomas trying to escape down a steep hill over a particularly vicious river. But Ellie catches up and tells Sir John it wasn't Tom, it was Mr. Grimes. They fear for Tom's safety because it's dangerous. I kind of do too. Kids they all of a actors. sudden start to believe her now, yeah. now that he's gone. <laughs> the kids aren't bad actors, it would be a shame. So he noticed his pursuers, and the groundskeeper tells him not to jump, because it's called Dead Man's Pull. If he goes under, he's not going to come up. And uh, she's, like, yelling that they know it's not him that yeah. did it, and he still jumps. He looks so, just, he has his heart set on jumping anyway. He's like, I'm going <laughs> to die today. <laughs> Can I explain one other thing that bugged the of me in this movie is right here when they're telling him not to jump they're not yelling they're talking quiet they're like almost whispering don't jump <laughs> and like the the distance they're standing and the flowing river you there's no possible you could you could hear what they're saying plus they're outside in the country you can speak however loud you the f do you want to speak why are you whispering the loud you want? <laughs> you're a free fucking man <laughs> so he spots Billy Whitelaw in a weird fucking black outfit with like a really big like lion's mane thing. 
which is what's going on with this character. <laughs> and then he jumps. Why the f*** did he jump? Because she told him to. They, they told him not to jump. No, but she told him to jump. Well, she gestured him to jump, I think. So as he drowns, he turns animated. <laughs> That's new. Oh, God, I hate it. I hate it. Why is the... Toby's down there, too? They're talking underwater. We're almost 40 fucking minutes into this movie. You can't pull this shit on us now. It should have happened a lot sooner. All I wrote down was pretty sure if this, if you actually jumped in the water, this wouldn't happen. <laughs> you can't I verify put, that. I, I like screamed at my notes, yes, animation. And then below it, I would freak the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Tom was a good actor, but his voice acting is terrible. And the animation is garbage. Holy shit. Like... His voice, like, he's supposed to play a 12-year-old. He looks like he's six, first of all. And it sounds like someone else is, like, voicing for him. Like, it, he sounds like a 30-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> but the animation is, like, six frames a second. It's, it's so choppy. It's so bad. It, and it's inconsistent. And when he realizes that he's animated, does he say this line? I've gone all cream. Does he say cream? I don't know. I've gone all cream. That's what something. I heard. <laughs> I, I heard cream. I'm like, what the f*** does that I've mean? I've gone all cream. <laughs> yeah. So then some frogs and eels and snails. And, and rats. Swimming rats. Start to ask <laughs> what kind of fish he is and making fun of him because he can't swim. <laughs> then these two like well-dressed salmon show up. Like a set in a suit and like a dress because fish need clothes. One of them is voiced by uh, John Pertwee, Doctor Who, uh, the the male salmon is. <laughs> and uh, then they start singing. It's an animated musical now. Now, yep, right here. <laughs> now it's a musical. <laughs> 37 minutes into the movie, and, and now we have singing animated fish. And this isn't just a sequence either. The, the dressed up fish looks like the judge from the wall. Like Pink Floyd's The Wall. <laughs> like the animated part near the end. I don't think this was a reference. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it looks a lot like it. So they teach this kid to swim perfectly through song by merely singing Try Harder repeatedly. Yeah, <laughs> try harder to do what? Live. Swim. <laughs> I found it very inspirational. <laughs> Brody like plays that song in the shower now. I learned how to walk. <laughs> So some up-to-no-good gangster otters see Tom with the underwater creatures and decide they're all food. <laughs> the f*** am I watching? Otters are bad guys? <laughs> otters seem like bros. I played Animal Crossing. Tom gets trapped in a basket while escaping an otter, and the otter sits on it. So Tom starts walking in the basket, like Metal Gear Solid style, <laughs> towards his dog Toby. And then the otter notices what's up. A fish bites his nose, and Tom makes his escape. <laughs> he ties the otter's tail to an oar, which kicks off a bizarre sequence of the otter getting his ass kicked by himself, like Final Destination style. <laughs> <laughs> this is a chain reaction. <laughs> For whatever reason, after this, he agrees to help Tom. He knows when he's been beat. So Tom wants to get back to surface, and the otter says his best bet is to find the water babies downstream. Take a shot. Oh, that's what that said. Water babies, take a shot. <laughs> I couldn't read it. 
So Tom and Toby start swimming downstream. Okay, but this part pissed me off even more. Why? Not just swim to the fucking surface. <laughs> and the surface like, is live in action. They're trying to like... Don't find the goddamn bubble guppies or baby water baby. <laughs> no. <laughs> swim to the goddamn surface. Movie over. No, you gotta go find those stupid fucking water babies. So Tom and Toby, they start swimming downstream to find the water babies instead of, of course, to the surface. And Tom reveals that he wants to get back so he can see Ellie again. Aw, that's creepy. <laughs> Have you noticed that Ellie, like, can't speak above a whisper? <laughs> <laughs> like, she's, like, yelling, but, like, she's like, don't go. <laughs> <laughs> like, she can't. She has laryngitis. <laughs> I was just thinking. <laughs> so, back in the live-action world, it starts raining, and she gets topsy-turvy in the animated world, too. <laughs> A fish in a boulder hat <laughs> tells Tom to turn back because the rapids are too choppy, and he doesn't. So Tom and Toby get pulled through the gnarly East Australian current, and they encounter a half-live-action, half-animated boat, which is of no consequence, really. And then they swim away. <laughs> Wait, that was half-live-action? It was live-action, like, above water. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. animated below water. Okay. So Tom... Remarks he feels awful and he's never heard of being under the sea sick before. <laughs> no. They swim around a bit. They encounter the greatest period character period in period film period. A muscly Scottish lobster named Jock. Voiced by John Pertwee. <laughs> and his face looks like the father from that cartoon. He looks there like Nigel Thornberry. Like, oh. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> Picture just to make fun of it. <laughs> so the scene manages to both include the lobster talking without moving his mouth and his head completely disappearing for a frame. It's just the animation is so bad. If you're doing a half animated movie, you can't cut corners on this. Shit. So he's caught in a trap and Tom tries to help him out. Then they notice a lobster fisherman bringing up the traps. Hey, the boat wasn't useless after all. And they break the cage right as it's being raised. That was a close one, guys. My heart was pounding. The lobster thanks Tom, who he repeatedly calls Jimmy, <laughs> <laughs> until Tom corrects him. Jock says the water babies are too far out for Tom to go alone because they're in the, I think they said the middle ocean. Especially since there's an evil killer shark with a crown and a mustache and his sidekick, an eel. And they look for water babies to enslave. What the f*** is a water baby? <laughs> um, I I can tell you what a water we'll baby find is. find out later. But I have to wait till the perfect time. I will tell you what water babies are when we meet the water babies. So Jock agrees to guide Tom to the middle ocean to find the water babies. And Tom proclaims, Hi, cockalorum. And then another f***ing song comes on. <laughs> then they sing a song. Another f***ing <laughs> then they sing a song about high cockalorum. Did someone spike my fucking drink? What am I watching? What the fuck is high cockalorum? Okay, I'm just gonna put this out here now because I don't know when it comes in because I was like half asleep. But at some point he says no entrance, but it literally sounds like no lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't tell if you're just half asleep. <laughs> Animated chimney sweep and his dog with a Scottish lobster voiced by Doctor Who, who looks like Nigel Thornberry, singing nonsense words under the ocean. <laughs> the f*** happened to this movie? Hey, uh, before we continue, did you guys ever, did you guys watch past the credits? The end credits? Yeah, past no. the end credits. No. No. It's a black screen. Just a black screen with this song playing. I Calorum? Just I Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the whole fucking song. That's my fucking jam. Just a black fucking screen with this song playing. Oh. <laughs> so they discover a ship graveyard, the elephant graveyard. You were never to go there. And they hear a menacing laughing voice and they decide to hide in one of the ships. They're shaking in fear in the most violently shitty animation I've seen in a while. And the door slowly opens. It turns out the thing making the noise was Bloody Brody. (laughs) 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 An effeminate seahorse named Terrence with a Pogot bow tie voiced by Lance Percival. One more time. The door slowly opens and it turns out the thing making the noise was an effeminate seahorse named Terrence with a polka dot bow tie voiced by Lance Percival. Okay, I have a very important question, though. Okay, so you know how in The Wizard of Oz, all the characters in Oz uh, kind of represent the characters in the actual world, right? Yeah. So I had assumed the same thing in this movie. I thought the the sea lions or the seals or whatever represented Grimes in them. And then later on, they, oh, I guess he's the shark and the seal. Or the eel. I'm like, okay. I'm okay with that. And then and there are a few that I could kind of put with the other characters. Who the f*** would play the seahorse? You. No, I, well... Brody, no. it was you. No, but, like, what character in the live-action world would this be the seahorse? Oh. I'm assuming one of the butlers. A seahorse. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom explains to the seahorse that they're there on a quest to find the water babies so he can get back home to Ellie. And then Terrence starts mm. crying a lot because he's lonely. <laughs> if this was anyone else, I'd probably think it was sad. <laughs> That was just me crying. <laughs> then he starts singing about high cockalorum. <laughs> Don't start singing. <laughs> Tom and Jock join in and reprise their song. Wow. Why would you scare? He says he he likes to try to scare people. Then he complains that he's alone. <laughs> Don't scare everyone. Don't scare them all away. Yeah. And then complain that you're alone. I think at this point is when I notice that nobody has the same accent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's got a very proper Londoner accent, while, of course, Jock is Scottish, and we got the cockney little <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> so yeah. they go on their way, and the killer shark and eel say they're falling right into our trap. And of course they're voiced by Grimes and Masterman, because why wouldn't this be a metaphor? It's like they thought this was going to be their own Wizard of Oz. <laughs> so they get trapped in, I, I, I don't know, an, anem, an anemone or a sea cucumber? Know. or I don't know what those were. I don't know what they were. But the shark proclaims how nice it is to see Tom again. 
That's creepy. What? It's... What? <laughs> what? <laughs> and at this point, I wrote, No plot! <laughs> when did he see Tom the first time? Because he's Grimes? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's just been watching them. So the shark reveals how he will not rest until he has enslaved the entire water baby race in Shark Castle. <laughs> Shark Castle, clever. Yeah. I actually like the voice acting of James Mason and Bernard Cribbins. It fits the characters. Out of the live-action people who end up being voices, they do better than most. Who? It was James Mason. Who's the other one? Bernard Cribbins. Masterman. My okay. two boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> so as Tom is engulfed by the anemone, he expresses regret that he'll never see Ellie now. Never see Ellie now. Ellie thinks you're dead. Never see Ellie now. Ellie now. Ellie now. Ellie. Ellie, Ellie it's your fucking Ellie. cue. <laughs> so, taking her cue, back in live action, Ellie is writing in her diary that she's miserable and can't believe Tom is dead. Oh yeah, he jumped in a river. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> he did. You do realize you knew each other for less than five minutes, right? Like real time, five minutes. They're six years old and they're in love. <laughs> well, keep in mind, see, being six years old and seeing anybody die. Well, actually, they I wouldn't like understand. Be... Yeah, that's true. I think she should be more upset though. So, well, she has mastered the art of making crying noises without moving her face muscles. <laughs> So, fun fact, Samantha Gates was one of the naked child models on Led Zeppelin's album cover, Houses of the Holy. Are you serious? With her brother, Stefan. It's weird. That's a cool I found that out on a Tumblr called highcalorum.tumblr.com. That's a thing? Yeah. Someone someone liked this movie. Oh, no. (laughs) It was me. It's my page. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mrs. Tripp arrives and finds her crying. We get another like creepy close up of her face, and then Tom is in her mirror. Yeah, <laughs> that was weird. And then he disappears. And it's playing like echoey quotes of their first meeting, for whatever reason. I am convinced that Tom is a siren. <laughs> and so Ellie concludes based on this. He's that alive. Tom is alive, <laughs> and tells Mrs. Tripp, and she concurs. I'm so confused. <laughs> I think like... she. Co- Oh. I think she caused that whole Absolutely. thing to happen. She's a witch. It's her plan. She's a witchy. She's the last keeper. Oh. <laughs> so underwater, Tom, Toby, Terrence, and Jock are still being killed by Anemone, and their cries for help are heard by a French swordfish named Claude, voiced by Paul Ludy, who played the groundskeeper. He's dressed like a musketeer. <laughs> and he maims the anemone. Then they start throwing rocks at him, and he just hits him back with his tail. The rock gets stuck in an anemone. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Train wreck. <laughs> Let's just shut this off now. <laughs> so they run, and Terrence calls them cowards, and tells them to stand and fight. Oh god! Bad I'm idea. <laughs> Bad idea! You, they left! They were killing you and they left you alone. You don't say, come back and fight like a man. <laughs> and so they all yell, High Cockalorum. 
at them until they leave. What does that mean? I don't know. But I can tell you what it means to Claude, because Claude starts singing the song again. (laughs) No! Wow. Several minutes of this movie have been Uh... Fish singing the song High Cockalorum. Which, by the way, includes the line, Friends Forever. (laughs) They've seen each other for all of, like, three minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Never. So they get lost in this dark cave and hear a bunch of children singing a nonsense song. And they approach who else but a live-action Billy Whitelaw dressed like a queen. And they're still animated, by the way. She winks. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never get over that. A bunch of elf-like creatures are singing a happy song under the sea on an underground playground. I assume these are the eponymous water babies, which means that was a really... Easy journey. <laughs> this is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. It's like Smurfs and Strawberry Shortcake in hell. But like um, the robot chicken version, so their eyes are like bulged out and they're like turning around all creepy. Yeah, like, and I actually expected their eyes to start glowing red. <laughs> water babies. Like they freak me out a lot. It's like. So Tom meets two water babies named Alfred and Ariadne. Ariadne's clearly voiced by Sam Gates because they wasted all their money on this expensive animation. They couldn't afford multiple cast members. (laughs) Okay, I want to explain right here what a water baby is. And I have... This is the part where I have evidence. Okay, so... When they meet the water babies, the water babies already know his name's Tom. And he's like, how do you know my name? And they're like, the same... way you know our name and then he automatically knows their name so what i'm thinking is the water babies are previously drowned children <laughs> oh stuck god in the ocean they were they his, are turned his friends into, they're turned into sirens and they're just stuck in this hell <laughs> and the reason why he knows them is because now he's one he's a water baby because they even at he even asks wait does that mean i'm a water baby now you are. Those were his friends, and the reason why he jumped was he wanted to die <laughs> with them. That's the only reason he could have jumped. No, there's literally no other reason. The power of Nanny McPhee. So yeah, they imply Tom is a water baby, and then they continue their song. Tom comments that Ariadne looks a bit like Ellie, and also, I noticed she sounds quite a bit like her, too. <laughs> Coincidence. He mentions he's looking for a way of getting back, and the water babies cheerfully tell him the only way is by talking to the Kraken, the terrifying lord of the sea. Only he can decide if you are allowed to return to the surface. Or you can swim. Yeah. You can swim up. I watched you swim. There's a whole fucking song about you swimming. Like, how is he breathing underwater, though? Is it like... (laughs) And talking. If he can't swim underwater... How can he breathe? He's a water baby. He can't breathe. But water babies can swim. That's true. Well, he can <laughs> swim now. They sang a song about it. <laughs> so at this point, they straight up call him a water baby. No more implying. <laughs> and they decide to set out and find the Kraken tomorrow. As they sleep, Ariadne approaches and starts begging Tom to wake up. So I feel like Tom's in a coma right now. And Ellie's just begging him to leave. <laughs> she dragged his body out of the water. <laughs> wake up! Wake up! Slaps she... him across the face. Tells like... the gang that the water babies have all been taken. 
And even the seahorses and flowers are crying. She doesn't seem so upset, though. Like, the... the They're the dead anima- already. The animation, the tears are going down in her face, but her voice doesn't seem very upset. That's every time someone cries in this movie. That's true. <laughs> so they enter the cave. It's all crystally. Tom exclaims, Hi, Cockalorum! And then they find an icy ladder in a cave underwater. <laughs> <laughs> Tom climbs up and his friends are just like, alright, peace. He arrives above the water, but still animated. Right? I've noticed that too. <laughs> Why? Icy cave. Sign says no admittance, but he enters anyway because he can't read. I guess he's not really he's outside, though. He's in a cave. Yeah. He encounters a polar bear voiced by Sir John from earlier. And he takes him to see a walrus named Cyril, who's reading a newspaper fish voice. Fish voice? <laughs> voice? And for, and for some reason, they're in the fucking north. Yeah. So the walrus tells the polar bear to put Tom on the waiting list to see the kraken, but there's no one waiting. He is. How long do I have to wait? Till I say you can go. When is that? When I've decided. When is that? When I say you can go. What a little bitch, eh? <laughs> so he escapes in an ice bubble tube. It's the it's the elevator that can go any direction. <laughs> From Willy Wonka? Yeah. And he floats up to what appears to be the moon, mm. but is still animated. It's No, it's I think it's the Arctic. Whatever it is, he arrives and exclaims, take a shot, Hi, Cockalorum! <laughs> oh, wait, we're taking a shot for the song, or like the song lyrics now? Oh my god. So he encounters a god who says, this is my favorite character, by the way. He says, some know me as Neptune. Some know me as Poseidon. Most know me as the Kraken. And he looks like a thundercat. (laughs) But he has like a sword made out of lightning. And last time I checked, last time I checked, Poseidon lived in the water. And he has a blue cape made out of his beard. (laughs) And a pink crown. And he's also voiced by John Pertwee, so he's, like, almost tied with Billy now for playing too many f***ing characters. (laughs) So the Kraken is basically Satan and makes him choose (laughs) that he can either free the water babies or see Ellie again. Okay, so what would you guys do? Would you choose to free the water guppies? No! I'd I'd go back. Like, his first instinct was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to free the water babies. But then, like, why? (laughs) I don't care about these animated hallucinations yeah they're not real <laughs> see no, you could at home crying over your dead body see well they're like their souls trapped in like a hell when they could be in a heaven underwater let them burn <laughs> but then again the trick in his choice is very f***ing obvious and cliche so so he immediately chooses to set the water babies free. There's a condition, though. <laughs> do it yourself. <laughs> the condition. He, have to, he has to defeat the shark and eel and rescue them himself. That's more than a condition, don't you think? <laughs> he could He could have just said that he was going to go to Ellie and then free them himself. Like <laughs> He said, like, <laughs> would you like me to save the water babies or would you like to go back to Ellie? Save the water babies. And he's like, okay, but there's a condition. You, you got it. You have to do it. 
It's it's like meeting the Wizard of Oz. Turns out he's just a normal fucking person. And it was all pointless. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> That's exactly what this is. But so Tom kind of says like that's you know you could have said that before, and he says I get to choose when I say things. If I want to say it at the end, I get to. Like, he's like, I'm a grown-ass god. If I want to say something at the end, I'll say something at the end. He Then he says, I shall be watching, and he disappears. So Tom goes back and tells the walrus and the polar bear that they have to help him beat the shark. The kraken said so. Which I mm. don't think is true. <laughs> and he keeps calling the kraken gov and govna, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> this is fucking Poseidon. The governor said. <laughs> the kraken who could rip your head off in a snap. <laughs> the god Neptune. In the cave, which may or may not be Shark Castle. Sharks are gambling. <laughs> Card sharks. It's Shark Castle. And they're doing evil stuff. And the water babies are all crying. Why do the sharks hate the water babies? Why do they want to enslave them? Why are sharks, sharks always... Are just assholes. Why are they always portrayed as assholes, though? Because they rip people's arms off in real life. They just think you're fish. Okay, well, uh, that's not (laughs) fair. Well, I guess they are arguably fish. Live in the water. So, giant ice stalactites start falling and crushing everything. They're under siege! There's, like, an eel crawled up in, like, a, in a ball, and it, like, goes, like, straight through the eel, but then the right after it goes through, like, it's gone. Like, there's no whatever it was anymore. What is it? The little things that were falling. Stalactites? Icicles? Like, as soon as it went through the eel, like, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it disappeared. So the swordfish is cutting the stalactites and making them fall, and it's playing an instrumental military version of High Cockalorum. Oh my <laughs> king god. This Meanwhile, is the sound of me leaving. <laughs> no, like, instead of taking a shot every time it happens, just kill yourself every time it happens. <laughs> How about just drown yourself in a bottle of 40 every time it happens? <laughs> then you got a good, like, the best of both worlds. You got the best <laughs> So meanwhile, the polar bear is dropping down giant snow boulders. The shark's Head up to the battlements, but the snowball takes them the f*** out. And then, like, f***s up their entire castle. Cyril coats the next snowball with water. Yes. Turn it into an ice ball because he's a f***ing cold-blooded motherfucker. And they f*** up some more mm-hmm. Then they f*** up the hammerhead guards with giant icicles and snowballs and claw to freeze the water babies. Which causes the king shark to start fighting with his eel. Fighting among the ranks. So Claude goes to fight the sharks, which have axes, by the way. <laughs> okay, wait, so Claude is in this movie. Where's Pierre? No. <laughs> so Claude is by far the most <laughs> useful character on this journey. And by that, I mean the only one who's done anything. Yeah. Hey, not true. Uh, Tom found Poseidon. <laughs> Which didn't Which was help. Pointless. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Tom drops portcullis in the most annoying fucking sound in the world. My cockalorum. <laughs> <laughs> so they regroup with Cyril and the polar bear. 
Meanwhile, the killer shark and eel are still having a go at it. The battle collapses the rest of Shark Castle. <laughs> Good job. They achieve victory, and they all proclaim... Hi, Cockalorum! And of course, they start singing it again. <laughs> of course they do! The water babies, and then a bunch of polar bears, and then a bunch of penguins join in. It's a big, like, ensemble version. <laughs> Kraken shows up in his weird bubble globe thing. Mm-hmm. And proclaims that because he freed the water babies, he is allowed to return. So he gives his tearful goodbye to, like, the millions of friends he just acquired. And steps into the Kraken's bubble thing, which then turns into Billy Whitelaw's live-action queen face again. Oh. <laughs> he resurfaces live-action with Toby and makes his way back to the manor. <laughs> Mr. Grimes appears out of nowhere and grabs Tom, calling him jailbait. <laughs> And what a wild ride, am I right? <laughs> I don't think that word means what you think yeah. it means. I hope it doesn't mean what See, you think it means. I was thinking maybe it means something in England, but I But that's completely know. different than what it means here. And so, like, I was also expecting him to float up in the water and then drag him out. Not just appear. Why? Yeah, because why would the fuck to appear? He's just like, popped out of nowhere. Yeah, the reason why he's anime is because he drowned in the water. Like, hello, hey, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. So they, uh, they smack Tom, and everything goes back to normal with Tom, Masterman, and Grimes. And they try to make him steal from the mansion again because they'll never suspect it. <laughs> he's already dead. This is a bad idea. <laughs> so they threaten to kill his dog if he doesn't cooperate. <laughs> Toby! And upon entering, he immediately makes a ton of noise by accident. Which is a weird direction that this movie is taking. This is back to square one. Yeah, like, none of that, like, water baby stuff Was had important. any, like, importance at all. <laughs> Tom yells and throws a slow-mo suit of armor down the stairs. Like, the whole scene is just super slow motion. And it hits the criminals. And then it starts playing an instrumental high cock alarm again. Okay. And the groundskeeper catches them. So I found out what high cock alarm means. Oh, shit. High cock alarm is a mess game which involves two teams of roughly 12 people played in a large open space, such as a hall. I don't think that's what they're referring to. I don't know. I I looked up the song and how it's spelt. I typed that in with the meaning, and then I got that. Search it up on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> it's just something dirty. <laughs> They're yelling penises. <laughs> Hi, cocks. Algorum. <laughs> so Lady Harriet, Sir John, and Miss Ellie show up with a gun. <laughs> yeah, it was a little. And all the servants have weapons too. They proclaim that they are the real thieves now and they will not escape. Then we cut to a well-dressed Tom, looking dapper, with Mrs. Tripp walking through the house and being led to the dinner hall. There's a cake there. It says, Welcome to Tom. It has a cake, a cake topper of him and his dog. How did they get that made? That's got to be expensive. <laughs> and that says to Tom, right? Welcome to Tom? Yeah. Why? That doesn't make sense. Welcome to him. What? It should be welcome to, like, the family name, not... Welcome or, to Tom. Or, you could even drop the two. 
Welcome, Tom. That makes sense. <laughs> Sir John, after dinner, makes Tom speak and tell them the story of what happens. He explains his weird bullshit acid trip story. Hey, Claire, oh, this everyone... is like the Wizard of Oz all over again. Claire, everyone, do you have an asylum on speed dial? Because Tom's headed straight there after saying this. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> a guest remarks that she can't understand a word he says. Her date agrees, but it's because he's a Londoner. <laughs> like, I agree too, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, now you know how I feel. <laughs> so Lady Harriet and Sir John then invite Tom and Toby to stay with them as their adopted son, oh my God. Thomas Aquinas something or other. And that's not you forgetting the last name. No, that's his name. That's yeah. <laughs> his name is Thomas Aquinas something or other. Because when you don't have parents, you don't deserve a last name. <laughs> but last time I checked, when you get adopted, you kind of take that ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> so then they all have a toast to him. Oh my oh. god, I just realized something. They adopted him. So that means that him and Ellie are cousins uh, and not brother and sister. And that... They're more parents to Tom than they are to hey, Ellie. Not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say that they're cousins, but like they're kind of in love with each other, you guys. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I could have went there too. <laughs> Make some like dub water babies. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> the Tom is perplexed that nobody believes the story, even Ellie. So he leads her away as Mrs. Tripp <laughs> mugs at the camera again. <laughs> he takes her to the river to of his her. death. <laughs> and we see Billy dressed in her weird black dress lion's mane thing again. Then she switches through all her personas as if to drive the point home for viewers that didn't notice. <laughs> and then she the disappears. <laughs> Tom's friends start talking to him from underwater as they look into the river. You don't see them, you just hear their voices, like, page master style. I found this scary, and... <laughs> mm -hmm. This show is not meant for children. So Ellie <laughs> finally believes him and runs back to tell Sir John and Lady Harriet that his story was true. I was kind of thinking maybe they'd both jump in the water and just stay as water babies, but then I'd be even more f***ed. Yeah. Together forever. <laughs> then they really were, maybe, then water babies literally were sirens. Okay, well, like, if things didn't work out with Ellie, he could always go back and be a water baby and, like, tap that other girl. Yeah. <laughs> oh, She's yeah. just another Ellie, right? Yeah. But um, one thing that I think is weird is nobody believes anything Tom ever says. <laughs> they assume the worst of him in every situation. And they even straight up said, they're like, well, that looks, that sounds like a, after he's explaining, they're like, that sounds like a legend, and it may be true, it may not be true, I don't believe it, Yeah, well, he but... Says, he says, that sounds like a fairy tale, so let's all agree to not believe it, even if it's true. <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> what a nice guy. So then they go running back to tell Sir John and Lady Harriet that everything was true, and it goes back to a storybook drawing, and then credits, and then apparently, high cockalorum. It's true. I'm telling you, it's no. I'm like I'm, cause because sometimes shit happens like after like post title credits or whatever. Post title credits, the movie no. happens. Yeah, no, the end credits after the end credits. Sometimes there's shit. 
while apparently there was, just not visually. <laughs> and it was literally... Best in show. So, first up is, of course, the MVP, the, the standout performer. So, Illyria, who do you think was the number one the number one guy <laughs> in this particular movie? Toby the dog. <laughs> or the little monkey in, like, the intro, the very long intro. There's, like, a monkey sitting on, like, a fat lady's shoulder. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That monkey is the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had the best performance. So, Brody, who do you think? Um, I'm going to say... I'll give it to Ellie. Ellie. I'm going to give it to John Pertwee. Because he played so many characters that were very different. You'd, you wouldn't know just by listening that they were different. Also, he plays Jock the f***ing Scottish Lobster. Which is the greatest character in film, as previously established. Ever. Okay, and so what were your impressions of this movie initially? And how did they change afterwards? Um... At first, I was like, this is going to be a depressing movie. And, like, I didn't think, like, it wasn't what I expected it to be. And, like, just from the opening credits. And then as it progressed, like, 37 minutes in, um, <laughs> I was like, this is exactly what I expected it to be. And I want to hate my life even more after seeing this. Brody. I looked at the cover. I'm like, this could be awful. I put it in. It was worse because I expected there to be more animation earlier on. I I actually didn't expect the chimney sweeping thing at all. Me either. Um, I expected the movie a little bit to be a little bit more like Roger Rabbit, where it's like more interaction with the live action and the animation. I thought it was gonna be like Space Jam. Or like Space Jam. I guess you're from a newer time, Illyria. I've never actually seen Space Jam. <laughs> wow, you're a baby. <laughs> no, a water you're baby. so young. You're a baby. You're you're I'm water, a water baby. baby. So my impressions of this movie were actually like I got almost exactly what I was expecting to get when I picked up this movie, and I I was not disappointed. But I did expect there to be more interaction like you said with the live action anime characters i expected there to be more of a blend mm-hmm. uh and there's kind of in like a few shots but not really it's just like a face yeah and uh <laughs> songs really caught me off guard i didn't expect it to turn into a musical but other than that it was like exactly what i expected when i picked up the movie a musical with one theme song <laughs> i wasn't expecting a musical honestly yeah, no, that that really caught me off guard. They started singing. I was like, "That's was like, new." Yeah, literally, um, it's a musical now. <laughs> like question marks. <laughs> so, what is your favorite quote from this production? <laughs> oh, it was that um, you got a mom or dad? Uh, no, they died in Vienna last year on holidays. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Brody. Call the justice, dear. I am the I am the justice, dear. Since when? Nobody tells me nothing. 
there was a few that stood out in this movie to me that I liked. Um, I liked a lot of things Jock said. He reminded me of that, that guy from, from Little Mermaid. <laughs> he reminded me of that guy from Nino Cooney, like baby bunting. But <laughs> um, one of his lines made me laugh. It's just when they discover the ship graveyard, and he just like offhandedly says, "Oh, this place isn't a giggle." And <laughs> it just, it just, I burst out laughing. What does that mean? <laughs> but that one, yeah, that's my favorite. So, so who would we recommend this movie to? <laughs> um, well, like I feel like kids wouldn't be able to sit through it. Like they wouldn't understand anything. <laughs> and um, I didn't enjoy watching it. So um, I would recommend it to one specific person, my grade ten science teacher, because I hate him a lot and I want him to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> Brody, who do you recommend this movie to? I'd recommend this movie to, well, see, I don't think, I think the kids, if it was kids watching it, they, I guess they'd kind of pay attention to the animation parts for a little bit. Yeah, you'd have to skip like halfway through the movie. Yeah, right? It's like most of the movie. So, I don't know. I, I'd cut out half the movie throw half of it out and just throw the animation bits at kids. <laughs> <laughs> I got exactly what I wanted out of this movie. Uh, I think me as a kid would have personally loved this movie because uh, I was a big fan of Wizard of Oz, big fan of Alice in Wonderland, and kids don't really care if a movie's good or not. <laughs> so this, I think, would have been right up my alley. So I'd say select children would enjoy this movie. Um, uh, I guess clairvoyance with bad taste in movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh! F*** you, I said kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, kid ones. Oh, uh, yeah, that's who I would recommend it to. Also, this movie is by far the closest thing we've had to a midnight movie on this show so far. You, I could see people watching this in a theater and making fun of the weird sh- that's going on. Yeah, this could be a cult movie. <laughs> Surprised it's not. Yeah. Let's and make it. <laughs> so, if it was on Netflix, it'd be under cult movies. And so lastly, uh, <laughs> is this movie... We, we don't have rating systems. We don't got numbers. So we got 0% or 100%. We got yay or nay. 100% would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> we got not a moment hesitation. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, like 20% because the first time I watched it, um, I fell asleep and it's worse the second time around. It gotta be. <laughs> so it's a name. Brody. All right. So there are two parts to my answer. It's a yes or no question. <laughs> this is very complicated. The first part though. is yes and the second part is no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. It is a nay. I just want to put out there, though, I feel like with all my cussing, you could probably censor... With all the censors through my cussing, it'll probably sound like High Cockalore. <laughs> the song. I could, I could do that. That'd be so cool. Do it. <laughs> all my censors are just adds up to the notes of High Cockalore. For me, I'm going to say yay. 
This is everything I expected it to be. And I oh, you it. were saying that in a positive way. <laughs> this is everything I when I picked this up, I was like, "This is gonna be great," and it was great. But it was great, not in a like it's it's I'd say it's like a two on the Citizen Kane scale, but this is a straight eight out of ten on the Room scale. <laughs> this is great. It's it's so bad. It's good. I enjoyed myself. What about on the Birdemic scale? Birdemic scale, no. Birdemic doesn't get a scale. <laughs> Though the ending shot of them walking back to the mansion and it's like a really long shot made me think of Birdemic and it hurt. <laughs> so that's that's that. That wraps our Oscars. Have we, everyone? Have we agreed on a year or nay yet? Uh, technically, we agreed that the wannabe should be burned. Well, I said nay. You, you said, said flaming down. Middle. I said flaming middle finger. Yeah, <laughs> that's so, a whole nother level. <laughs> so not technically, no. All right. Here's to next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Blind Buy. Fun fact, Brody was right. In the original fairy tale, the water babies were drowned children. Tom is only reunited with Ellie after she becomes a water baby too. Creepy. Anyway, our profanity orchestra piece today has been not High Cockalorum, but My Old Man's a Dustman, the most cockney song I could think of. Remember, folks, we're almost done the season. You can win the Water Babies, as well as the Wannabes, the Last Keepers, the Hunchback of Notre Dame, and one more movie for free. Enter at facebook.com slash blindbypodcast or our Twitter, at blindby. Special thanks go out to my sister, my parents for again letting me use their house, HHWLOD for hosting us, and the surviving cast of the Water Babies for being damn hard to track down. You win this time, Water Babies. If you like podcasts and things that I like, check out It's All Connected on HHWLOD. It's a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Where do you think I got the clairvoyant from? All music for this episode is royalty-free and provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. It is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org.